No Simple Road is stoked to have Sunset Lake CBD back with us as our sponsor. Sunset Lake is the real deal. If you've looked around trying to find CBD and it just didn't do what it was supposed to do, this is the place you need to go. They've got every kind of product you can imagine, including CBD tinctures with sleep gummies that are great for getting to bed, CBD gummy bears and reishi infused chews that can help bring you a little bit of calm in a stressful day. They've got salve. They've got smokable hemp flower that's great for folks like me that don't want to get stoned and paranoid, but want to have the benefits of cannabis. Well, now you got it. And they even carry CBD products for your pets, man. I'm saying this is Darwin approved stuff. Go over to sunsetlakecbd.com and check out the full range of what they have. This is Vermont grown right to your door and they're giving you 20% off. So put in the promo code NSR20 when you're checking out. You're going to get 20% off your whole order. And I know you're going to love it. They even have subscription options open for you. So you don't forget to get your medicine. Go check out Sunset Lake CBD, everybody. We're so excited to tell you a bit about today's sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They are a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Music Masters Collective events give you the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like Otil Burbridge, Steve Earle, Richard Thompson, former members of the band, the Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspy, the Fab Foe, and Sean Colvin, and so many more. At an event like the Milk Carton Kids Sad Song Summer Camp happening this July, you can expect immersive classes, evenings of entertainment, excellent food, and a space for a lucky group of folks to learn, co-write, workshop, and perform with like-minded peers, all with the guidance of Kenneth Pattengale, Joey Ryan, and some of their favorite songwriters. This all-inclusive week in the Catskill Mountains of upstate New York is guaranteed to be magical. Scholarships are available, and spots are extremely limited, so visit www.sadsongsummercamp.com forward slash simple to learn more. That's www.sadsongssummercamp.com forward slash simple. Check it out. Hey everyone, Chris Pandolfi from the infamous String Dusters here to let you know that my podcast Inside the Musician's Brain is back on the airwaves for season four, which means it's time once again to get deep with influential musicians from all across the musical landscape to really understand and translate the lessons of success, failure, inspiration, and hard work that are behind the music and the artists that we love. My guests this season include Rachel Price from Lake Street Dives, Sam Bush, Chris Wood, Chris Funk from The Decemberists, Lindsay Liu, MC Taylor from His Golden Messenger, and more. Check us out, and thanks for listening. It's Aaron coming to you from the porch. How's everybody doing out there? So it's Thanksgiving weekend. It's Sunday. It's raining out here. You can probably hear the rain drizzling here in Portland. It's a little chilly out here on the porch. It's nice. 
Hope everybody ate lots of turkey and all that fun shit that we do over Thanksgiving weekend. It's been nice, man. It's nice to have time off of work and it's nice to be able to be with the family and it's nice to be able to eat good food and cook and just chill out, man. I mean, seriously, like how often do we get to just hang out with our family and cook the foods that we like to eat? And be together and laugh and there's no fucking pressure and bullshit going on. Like, so nice. And then it's cool, too, because I got to see my daughter this weekend who is rad and a fucking juggernaut of acting awesomeness. And she's actually landed a film and she's acting out in Oklahoma right now. And they flew her home for the holiday and that was cool. And she brought her boyfriend with her and it's always cool to see Adam and just to all be together in the house and it feels so warm and cool and like light the fire and everybody watch movies together and chilled out and it's fucking rad so I hope everybody out there enjoyed it as much as I did and you know it, it just goes to show that there is nothing better than family man it's all about family in this life I mean whether it's your found family or the family that you were born into you know some of us don't get along with them and that's fine shit happens but man there's nothing better than family and being able to relax and be yourself and just hang out it's super cool so yeah the business stuff I'll get to it quick we have a cool interview this weekend so um Check us out on Instagram at No Simple Road. Subscribe there. Uh, check out the Facebook, No Simple Road. Go to over to the website, nosimpleroad.com. Um, over there, there's an Amazon link at the bottom of the page. So it's holiday time. It's Black Friday. Consume, consume, consume. Everybody buy shit you don't need. You know, you got to buy stuff for your mother-in-law and your auntie and that uncle that you haven't seen in six years because he's coming to Christmas this year. And if you don't have a gift for him, he's going to think you're a dick. So don't be a dick. And go to our website and go down to the bottom of the page and there's an Amazon link down there. And if you click through that link and you buy stuff that you're going to buy anyway, it's a way for you to support the show. And that's super cool of you because you're listening and we're giving it out. So you're giving something back and that's rad. And then another way you could do that is by going to Patreon. So by going to patreon.com forward slash no simple road, it's a way for you to pledge monthly to the show. You can give a buck a month, which is like fucking pennies a day, or you can give like a million dollars a month if you're super rad. And yeah, you could do that at patreon.com forward slash no simple road. And we use that money to pay for like our hosting and to make t-shirts and to make cards and flyers and shit. And it helps people find out about the show and it keeps the community growing and it's a cool thing. And then last but not least, if you're somewhere and there's shows coming to your town and you want to help out the show, what you could do is you could send me uh, what city you're in and a good location and I'll mail uh, flyers to a printing company near you. So not mail them, but I'll, I'll send a printing job to a printing company near you. And you go pick up the flyers and hand them out at shows. If you're down, we've had a couple listeners do that. And that's super fucking rad, man. Like, I can't be everywhere at once. Mel can't be everywhere at once. Although I would love to be at every show that happens everywhere all the time. I physically can't. 
But if you're a fan of the show, if you're part of the No Simple Road family, it's a way for you to like get involved and become part of the, the crew, so to speak. So yeah, you just send us where you're at and you and I will communicate through email and I'll send a printing job to a printing company near you. It won't cost you shit except for gas to go pick them up. And when you go to the show, you can hand out flyers and sh- tell people about the show and it's a cool thing. So yeah. Anyway, that's the business stuff. Patreon, Instagram. Um, oh, and one last thing. If you're listening on Google Play, on Apple Podcasts, or you're listening on Stitcher, pick up whatever device you're listening on. Well, if you're listening on a computer, don't pick that up physically because they're heavy unless it's a laptop. But pick up whatever device you're listening to us on and scroll through the little app that you're on and leave us some stars, man. You know, if you're enjoying the show, leave us a review. It gets us up in the rankings. It helps people find out about the show. And, you know, if you're getting some something from us, then you could spread it out there a little bit. It's like spreading butter on a piece of toast or something. I guess that's kind of a lame analogy, but it's the best I can do right now. It's been a long weekend and butter and toast seem to fit because it's Thanksgiving and whatever. You get where I'm coming from. Anyway, this week we have Jonathan from the Broke Down Podcast with us and He was super cool, man. Really genuine, kind brother. This guy is like a technician with stitching together audience tapes and different recordings from The Grateful Dead and puts them together in a way that it's fucking amazing to me. Had me in tears at work a couple of times listening, feeling like I was at a show. So, yeah, Jonathan, man, thank you, brother, for coming and spending some time on the porch with us virtually and becoming part of the No Simple Road family. And yeah, that's it for my rambling intro this week. We love you guys. Keep sending in your feedback and all the great shit that you've been doing. We love all you guys. So without further ado, here's the host, Jonathan, from the Broke Down Podcast. Hmm. Get it? Skype? Hello. Jonathan. Yes. Hang on a second. You will see us sitting here in just All a second. Right. Hey, yes. there I am. All right. There Melanie. you are. Hey, Hi. Jonathan. And there's Apple. I'm Apple. How are you doing, hey. Jonathan? I'm great. How are you guys? Good morning, brother. Really good. Or afternoon. Evening here. Evening yeah, here. Right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a racket for a second while I lift this up just a hair. I'm going to pretend that I'm going to sit up. I'm going to racket with you. There, <laughs> now we're racketing. Uh, there we go. Maybe that'll stay. Can you hear me all right? Yeah, yeah. You sound great, man. Cool. Cool. Welcome to How the you guys porch, doing? brother. Yeah, awesome. How was your weekend? How was your weekend? It's been a wonderful, long weekend. Thanksgiving is my favorite of holidays, so um, we've just had a great time with family and and all of that. I'll tell you, I, for me too, man, like, you know, there's so much pressure with like Christmas and gifts and all that bullshit. And then Thanksgiving is like just eating good food and the people you like the best and hanging out and falling asleep on the couch. Like <laughs> it's nothing better than that. Dude. Exactly. That's exactly right. It's Christmas, uh, you know, there's this stress and, you know, just you got to get to the places and you got to get the there's things and you really want to cut out the things. But, you know, right. you can't. It, it's hard to do that. And you're raising kids and. You try to teach them not to love things, but you also want to 
you know, give them a little thing here and a little thing there. And it's just, it's just, you can't get away from it. And, uh, I don't, well, you don't want your kid to be the only kid at school that didn't get something for Chris. Like I got right. this and that. And you're like, my dad doesn't do that. <laughs> Not cool, right. man. Not cool. Exactly. But, um, so. So I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to the show or not, but uh, we're just hanging to out, man. A, a few of them. So um, and okay, hanging cool. out is um, high on my list of uh, favorite things. So. <laughs> I, I think I think our goal is to like um, talk to all the people that have inspired us and and um, helped us along in our journey, and you know, just get to know each other because there's this huge community of people out there, and it's funny because when you're in your little circle you kind of become insulated and it becomes this hall of mirrors, you know? And when you talk right. to other people that are in the, in the scene and stuff, you, I found so much new music and just different ideas and different things. It's, it's been a really wild ride so far. So meeting you was kind of on our list after we um, met with Chris, I was like, wow, okay, there's a chance we can get him on the show. So yeah. Welcome, man. It's cool. No. Thank you. It's uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, I didn't know about your show. I you know I, I know I started mine. I think we started ours almost a very s- similar time. And um, then Chris said, "Oh, I'm on this uh, podcast. You should check out." I'm like, oh, wait, you went on a podcast, but you didn't come on mine. What, what, <laughs> what, what are you talking about? And so I checked it out, and I was like, "This is outstanding." Chris is really great people, um, and I, I've known him for a long time and he took me to my first dead show and uh, uh so i was really i really enjoyed listening to him on your program and i think that oh, was thanks a, man it's a good good fit too he, yeah yeah he's he's an amazing person like that we was, enjoyed him. he was welcome here he was family he was family like immediately walked up the driveway put his stuff down we all gave mochi. hugs yeah he brought, <laughs> he brought goodies and snacks i mean he yeah good people and nice. it, you know, it, it, it's funny too, because like, there's there's always this like intermediary space when you meet somebody that's like, you, you're feeling each other out. But it seems like when when I meet other heads and stuff, like there's none of that. It's just like, oh, there's there's another family member I've known my whole life. Like no big deal, no you know, <laughs> no no right. trip. But there's so you said you said ground. totally totally clear common ground and shared experience too is is the coolest thing and. But you were just saying that, like, um, Chris brought you to your first Dead show, right? Yeah. What? When was that? So that was um, RFK ninety one, six fourteen ninety one, wow. which. Um, so I had, I grew, I you know I had been listening to the Dead for a couple of years, and um, moved to Northern Virginia, and started attending this high school. I was you know like in the middle of high school, just very traumatic to move in the middle of high school let me just put that out there to everybody who's got kids uh, oh. don't move them in the middle of high school um but it <laughs> happens and you know such is life uh, so i met chris and his crew uh and the, the guys he talks about on there you know he talked about how they convinced one of their moms to take them and and i met these guys and i was already a dead fan i'd been listening to the dead for a few years and um but i hadn't seen him yet and so it was the last day of school, uh, junior year, and Chris and one of his friends, James, that came in, and uh, Jamie said to me, he said, hey, man, did you get a ticket for the show tonight? And I said, no. And I, and I wasn't going, um, which is, is sad, and, like, just I just hadn't pushed myself to go. My 
folks weren't into me going to concerts. And he said, well, I got one. You want it? And I said, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. And uh, called my mom at work. I was like, Mom, uh, I'm going to go to the Grateful Dead show. I'll see you later tonight. She said, what? And um, and she couldn't stop me because she was at work. And so I went. And, uh, <laughs> we rode in the in James Biggs uh, station wagon, which was called the Shakedown. And, you know, we got stuck in traffic and a little bit lost in D.C. because they didn't know what they were doing. And, you know, and we were 16. You know, we didn't really know how to get around D.C., I guess. But uh, it right. turns out RFK is really easy to find. I learned just another year later. But um, the car broke down on the way. You know, we blew a, uh, a radiator hose on the way into the stadium <laughs> and had to stop and buy a new one and repair it and then continue on into the show. Um, and we made it in time to get in. And James ran off to see the opener. It was Dwight Yoakam opened that show. And uh, Oh, that's... Yeah. Whoa. So that was the year that the... Um, dedicated uh like true cover album had come out a bunch of bands played oh, dead covers yeah, for yeah. Benefit there thing. was like a jane's addiction song jane's on there yeah, Ripple, yeah. uh los lobos did bertha uh, bruce hornsby did a song and dwight yoakam did trucking and so he opened this show i don't know if he opened any others but so i didn't i mean I, I we got in after his set was over and uh and it it blew my mind, man. You know, they were like, come on, we'll go get on the field. And we go and jump the railing, dig it on the field. And, you know, guy grabbed me and tried to stop me. And then he lunged for somebody in the other direction. It just, he couldn't make them stop the flow of people. And, and, uh, and yeah, we, I spent my whole first show right on the field of RFK, kind of just ahead of the soundboard and on a little to the left on Phil's side there. And it was outstanding. And I, and I was sober, Stone yeah. cold sober, most of it. <laughs> I'm looking. I'm looking at your set list from that show, and you got a hell of a show, man. Jesus, a cold rain and snow opener, and yeah. you got a Maggie's Farm and a music never stopped just before the set break. Like they they went all out for you. <laughs> yeah, and then and then set two opens with help slip Frank estimated Dark Star. Um, right. Objectively, that was the best show I ever saw. Like. Realistically, uh, however, I, I continued to have a lot of fun. Saw about thirty shows, and I just kept going wherever I could, and um, and they were all almost all great in their own way. But that that show right. was just that the end the encore for that show that it's all over now, baby blue. Like I, there's something about that song that was the encore of my first show at the forum in 89 in February. And there's something about that song to this day that gives me chills up the back of my neck. Like it encapsulated everything that had just happened to me that night. And I just remember standing on the floor at the forum and thinking to myself, like, I don't want this to end. I don't want this to be over. I don't want this thing to go away. Like, how can I be here all the time? And then Jerry starts singing that. And it was like, oh, (laughs) oh, okay. I guess I'll go home. Like, if I must, if I must. I had a similar experience at, towards the end of almost every dead show, I think. You know, it's just like, <laughs> I, I, can we just keep doing this? And then um, yeah. 
sometimes it was like, well, we get to do it tomorrow. Um, and then, uh, mm-hmm. and then there were the nights where they, they played, uh, the last time towards the end and you start oh, to wonder yeah. if they're really telling us something. Um, and because after, after 92, I think 93, I don't know, somewhere in there, you know, it started to become apparent that, that this really wasn't going to be sustainable forever. Um, 94 summer was just, uh, you know, I saw a few shows that summer and it was, it was not what it had been. And that's saying something when you're talking about 1993, you know, comparing to just a year before, um, and two years before that and, Fall '94 was pretty, pretty good, but you know the bar is low at that point, and you know you just kind of you kept taking it though. You kept, you kept, <laughs> we kept yeah, going. Yeah, and you know what? Even even the worst mess that I saw, like I, I saw a few messes, you know, bad train wrecks, and it was still beautiful, man. Like there was that darkness, that sweet darkness that kind of followed them, and I, I don't know, I. I I get what you're saying and I agree with you 100%, but looking back on it, like it was still there. The magic was still happening. It was just kind of tainted, right? It was dirty. I, I could see that if I had been seeing them since the 70s, like I get why the cats I knew that I met who had been seeing them that long kind of backed off. I'm like, well, I'll go when they come to town. I don't need to travel anymore. Right. Or didn't want to go because it was, you know, it was upsetting because they were seeing a, a, a much more stark contrast than we were coming from your 89 yourself or 91. And, um, right. You know, it was it was heavy and they were they were kind of hip to it, too. Like Hunter was, you know, he wrote Days Between. He wrote right. so many roads right there in the end. And those songs are they they cover that dark that you know we're passing through a dark place from the light or we're coming to a a resolution which so many roads is really kind of about and, um, so so check check this out man this is something that not a lot of people know um so my stepdad back in the day was siegfried and roy's manager in las vegas cool. and uh i my mom gave me some pictures of her and jerry and my stepdad backstage at the Vegas shows in 94. And I was talking to my stepdad uh, years ago. And the whole reason that he was at that show was a meeting with Jerry because Jerry wanted to get off the road and the dead wanted to do a residency in Las Vegas. They wanted to take the whole thing and stop the tour and do shows only in Las Vegas. And they were looking to him to set up a place for them to, to, keep the circus going year round and then not you know uh, a year later jerry passed and man i i think about what that would have been you know (laughs) you look now like santana's done a residency there and um celine dion and and j-lo and (laughs) britney spears but jesus how would that have changed vegas and the scene and everything if that had gone down well, I can tell you, like a year ago, I went to just a, a fish run in Vegas. And just in three days, they transform a little corner of Vegas. You know, once you get away from, you know, the MGM, you get down the strip or wherever, it thins out and there's all the other mess going on. And like Britney, <laughs> Britney Spears was doing shows that weekend. And one of the guys who came 
to, with us to go to the fish shows. His girlfriend flew out. She said, I'll go to a fish show with you, but you're going to Britney Spears with me. Um, <laughs> I, I think, though, that was hilarious, and they had a great time. Yeah. And uh, But I think that it would have been... It, it would have been kind of perfect and perfectly horrible all at the same time. You know, Vegas is, uh, and I know you're from Vegas, and I, I don't think I'm saying anything that you will uh, take too much offense at. Vegas is a tough oh, no. town for people, you know what I mean? For people who maybe have challenges keeping themselves straight. I don't think I, yeah. I'm telling you anything you don't know. Um, uh-uh. And, I, I mean, I can go to Vegas and I don't gamble because I don't gamble. But other people, they go to Vegas, and it's expensive, and it's hard living all night, all day, and they're really glad to get on the plane. That having been said, if the dead could have done that, they could have cut a huge amount of overhead. They could have worked a lot less. They could have done, you know, one weekend every three weeks, you know, a four-day weekend every three weeks, and, you know, made the money they wanted to make and fed the kids put out the records, sold all the tickets. They would have had no trouble doing that. And um, Yeah. You know, I mean, that's but, a lot of pressure carrying all that weight, you know, like carrying the weight of the crew and, and all those people's lives that depended on them for their, for their livelihood. And, and then not to mention everybody deifying Jerry. And it, it had to be a lot. I mean, at the end of the day, he was an amazing human being that, that brought us a lot of joy and beautiful music and, this sweet vibe that we all love, but he was just a dude that played music at the end, you know, right. it had to be hard. It had to be really hard, you know, and to really, when you look at the, the crowd and you can see it in the scene now. And I remember at fairy well, it was really, it was apparent because it was, it brought people out of the woodwork. Do you guys go to those? I think you've mentioned, yeah, that. we made it, we made it to, to Saturday and Sunday. So yeah, and I was at the Chicago shows, and they were yeah, they were they were great. They were a lot of fun. And one of the things that really struck me was how much this band was really, like yeah, they're separated from us by the barricades and the distance, and they're up on a pedestal, literally playing for us. But they're really just kind of, they're our kind of people. And and I don't think I'm projecting, but I think in many many respects, you can find the same people that are in the crowd are those guys on the stage. And Jerry was one of them. He was just a really great guitar player and thus properly positioned at the center point of so many of our gatherings and so many of our parties. And, um, you know, yeah, there had to be this immense pressure to sit kind of high up above us. And it would have been nice to be able to relieve that pressure and say, just come on out, play guitar and if he could have made it over the hump, I mean, he had his monsters clawing at him that he, he couldn't leave behind. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe we could have got there. Maybe we could have got there. Yeah. I mean, even uh, this is a pales in comparison analogy wise, but like even doing a podcast, you know, people write in and say stuff to you and, hey, man, what you said last week, that really helped me and, you know, did this or that. And it, it's beautiful and it's cool. And that's why we do this. And all that but that's there's there's a weight to that stuff you have a responsibility now and i can't even imagine having a traveling city behind me 
you know, where everybody's hanging on my every word, like, oh, shit. If I say the wrong thing this week, I'm fucked, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I'll pass. Exactly. (laughs) I'm crawling back under my bed at that point. And I was going to say on that note, when he just mentioned the podcast thing, first of all, thank you very much for your podcast. Yeah, man. We, after Chris was here, uh, I, I didn't know about it. Chris told us about it. And I just nonstop listen to him to get caught up. You bring the experience to us. I told Aaron, I was like, dude, you got to listen to this. He came up the next morning and he was like, dude, it was like with your headphones on laying in bed is it was like being at a show because all the recordings you have, wherever you get them, dude, it's you get the crowd noise. You get the you get the fuck yes. And (laughs) you get the it puts you in the show. You close your eyes, lay in bed. And I was at a show every time I listen to your podcast. So it. Thank you for, for that. Well, that's very kind of you. Thank you. I mean, I'm just, uh, what's the old Garcia saying, what they said about um, Oxamoxa or Anthem of the Sun? I'm just mixing it for the hallucinations. So, yeah. <laughs> just, you know, I'm not pulling any, you know, rare, any sources out that, you know, aren't available widely or anything. But uh, I'm just picking and choosing them to hopefully they hang together. And, I'll tell uh, you, Mel- Melanie and I were talking about it this morning. We were listening to because her birthday's in October and we were listening to your October 89 stuff. Cool. And um, the, the way you put it together, uh, it's it's magical for real, man. Like, it, it's really cool because. There's a thing when you're at a show that you can't experience on an album too too often. Like some some recordings they capture the magic and some don't. I mean it's just a just a thing. Like Cornell 77, you know, everybody's on fire for that cuz that's alive. It's magical. You hear it and it's it's Those still there. Crackle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And They're I alive. You played the ones around that to give a little more. I hadn't heard those. It was like, okay, everybody heard Cornell, and then you threw in, like, okay, everybody's heard that. Let's check this out. And I think you threw in a recording, like, from Cornell, from somebody else's point. Yeah, I went ahead and put on the the audience tapes, because we all, ever since the 80s, when the Betty Boards came out, we all listened to the Betty Boards. So it's like, well, there's a really good audience tape that already had energized people. People were way into the show from this tape, so let's listen to that uh, just for a change. Besides which, everybody had just maybe not everybody, but a lot of us had just got the boxed set, so we had the pristine, pristine uh, soundboards, so I figured it was, let's pull out the pull out the audience tapes. Yeah, wow. and, and that, that thing that, like, okay, so I'm at a show, and the band's on that night, and that is its own thing all by itself. But then there's those moments when that feeling goes through the crowd, when, you know, there's a certain lick that's hit and you feel it move through the crowd like a wave and, and people are hooting and hollering all over the place. And it sounds like the place is a madhouse and, and you can't, you can't find that outside of the show. But then I listen to your show and I'm like, holy shit, this guy just recreated how I feel in the show. I'm at work. Okay. I work in the telecommunications <laughs> industry and I'm in a fucking cubicle and I got my headphones on and everybody around me is pretty cool, but I'm there like tears streaming down my face, chills crawling up my back. Like, Oh my God. Like, I can't believe I'm hearing this right now. I feel like I'm at a show and, and that's, that's talent, man. And I appreciate it. Like, to be able to put that together like that. Yeah, it's a very brilliant concept. When he was um, telling me about it, I started listening to it, but I was listening to your most recent episodes um, 
which you reported with, um, and I, I don't remember his name, but the two-part episode. Oh, so that's I didn't with get to Jesse Jarno. Yeah, yeah. Um, very interesting. But um, I think it's a wonderful concept. I was like, that's beautiful. Like, it's kind of like you are doing some, like, uh, multimedia art with that. You know, pu- pulling out songs and putting them all together in a way that makes it seem, um, you know, just it jives and it flows. So that's a great idea. What was the, you know, what was your initial intent or was that your initial intent? Well, you know, so <laughs> you guys are very kind and I, I appreciate that. Let's thank you for that first. Um, but it's true. Seriously. <laughs> I, <laughs> um, I, I'm trying to take the compliment gracefully. Thank you. Um, there you go. Right on. The, um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I think the impetus is really actually I can tell you. So I'm, I'm sitting here and I've got my dead base. Right. <laughs> and it, it goes right back to probably well, somewhere in the early mid 90s, sitting around with my buddy Joel and looking at my first dead base, which was one of the soft color covered ones. And uh, we just sit there and we'd be listening to a tape and we just flip through and just kind of look at set lists and we'd get to, um, let's see, I'll just right here, say 70, well, let's not talk about that, 71. And, um, <laughs> and we just read set lists that, you know, of tapes we'd never heard. We didn't have the archive. We had, you know, the 300 cassettes that I had, uh, the 150 tapes that Joel had. And, you know, we could get more. It was always effort and money because we had to buy blanks and all of this. So the collection didn't grow the way it can now. You could just pull it all every show up on your phone. And we, you know, look through and say, morning, do open the set rad you know and then flip through oh dude they played second that emotion that night i want to hear that i'd love to hear them play second that emotion because maybe at that point i hadn't heard it and and uh oh look at this oh man Dwayne allman sits in the next night you know so i'm looking at fillmore east 71 and and so we get jazzed about everything we'd find in the set lists and we'd think about you know it'd be really cool to like make a mix but here we are at our home with, you know, I've got a tape decks, multiple tape decks, and I could make a mix from these tape decks, but there's limitations and it only sounds as good as it sounds. And my tapes are kind of, a couple of my tapes are kind of shitty. Some of my tapes are really good. Um, but ultimately, making these kind of mixes was the dream, right? That's what we wanted to be able to do. It's like, it'd be really cool. And, oh man, if we could go from this jam in 77, that sounds a lot like what they were doing at this jam in 70. I don't know. I'm just ma- pulling numbers out. I'm not right, citing right, right, jams. Right, right. You know what I mean? Be cool if we could move between these things. And, uh, now I can. And so, yeah. um, I, I was on this, or I am a part of a fish podcast, the helping friendly podcast. And I kind of was talking with RJ, who's one of the founders of that. And I said, you know, I'd like to do some Grateful Dead. And and we did an episode of Grateful Dead. And I was like, That's, I'm, I'm going to start a Dead podcast because I just wanted to listen to more Grateful Dead, talk about more Grateful Dead, and just play with more Grateful Dead. Um, Amen. It's, <laughs> and best love. I'm a big fish fan. Hell, I'm wearing a fish t-shirt right now. I'm a yeah. fish fan. But I'm a big fish fan, but um, 
that much more of a deadhead too. So, um, we're all the same. You know what I've realized over the years? Like I, I had this separation in my mind when I was young, Gur, I guess. Yeah. Younger. And uh, when I was younger with with fish and the dead, like there was this hard line and I didn't get fish. I didn't I didn't get it. Like I love the jams. But when Trey would sing, it would throw me off. And there's something that fish does lyrically that if you're coming from a Grateful Dead point of view, frame of reference, the fish thing kind of fucked me up. It didn't fit. And it took fare thee well for me to go. Oh shit, I get it. And then after that, Apple and I went and saw them at the forum in LA. And I, f- I felt like a, a total idiot. Like, wow, I missed this. We started researching 30 something years of music after that and still right. are because it was like, oh my God, these guys have been around forever. So, but well, that, that's been fun podcast, too. <laughs> <laughs> the Helping Friendly Podcast. <laughs> right. Well, you know, so I started seeing the dead in 91. I didn't see fish until 94. Um, but the dead was still my primary focus. So the day, the, the week of my first fish show, I, I saw the dead three times also. So it was a wonderful, magical week. Um, yeah. <laughs> October 94. Um, and they, uh, they were, I mean, they were different. There was no question they were different. And I, I did not really feel an intersect between the two other than, um, you know, I don't know. It was music I liked to smoke pot to in 1994. It was, you know, it was cool jams, very different. And they would have to be, right? Because here we are, we're talking about guys who were at, at least 20 years younger. They're like right. a huge there's just so much music happened. So much happened in music since the Grateful Dead started to when Fish started 20, almost 20 years later, that it would be impossible for them to really be the same kind of band. Um, I mean, prog rock happened. The Dead right. touch on prog rock when you look at like Help on the Way or whatever. Um, and actually, that album has a fair bit of prog on it if you think about it but the you know prog rock happened and brian eno happened and you know the 70s bluegrass for revitalization happened which is one of the things that draws them a little bit closer together but um they're uh yeah they're just so very different and tom marshall who is the primary lyricist for for fish his um his writing also influenced by so many other things uh, as opposed to you know coming from a folk tradition or whatever which a folk and a poetic studies tradition like Robert Hunter comes from um, Tom just he comes from such a very different place as as well he should um, right but and at first I wasn't totally getting the lyrics either uh, there were a couple songs I was like, oh, I, I dig this, you know, but the music was happening for me. And then at some point, a couple years in, not very long, was, you know, I suddenly I heard Rift and I got what was <laughs> said on that record. And I was like, oh, shit. And I started looking back and I started, you know, some of it was tone poems. Some of the lyrics are, you know, rhythmic play and little quick puns strung together. And some of the lyrics are, you know, knock you on your ass. Um, and, uh, and sometimes they just let the music do it. 
Yeah, yeah. I think I think after that show and going back and, and listening to them, like the the one that did it for me that I continually and fish fans are going to probably punch me in the face for saying this, but like it, Billy breathes. I love that album. Like it's so sweet and so cool. And just, just inside it's warm. It, it feels friendly. You know what I mean? It's, it's really cool. Yeah. It's and, a, that's and, a beautiful record. Yeah. And, and our, uh, at the end of our first show, we got a yem for, for an encore and, when it was over, like that whole acapella thing they do and some Apple and I are standing next to each other. And the first thing I said to him, I go, they expect me to drive a car right now. Like I, <laughs> I'm supposed to go drive in L.A. traffic right now on the freeway. Yeah, right. And then the second thing I said, I go, dude, I feel like I just saw every genre of music under the sun in one song. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's the pinnacle of fusion maybe i don't know it's certainly one high point thereof you know yeah they're, yeah blue go ahead go ahead sorry that, that, i was just gonna say that's awesome they're they're really driving i think for that you know they're trying to be psychedelic but completely in their own way they're not trying to cop somebody else's psychedelia they're trying to get you out of their head out of your head in in their own way and sounds like they pulled it off the other thing too with them that got us too was the like the Grateful Dead. It was the crowd participation. It's like yep. you, I mean, you always have your people at fish shows, which we learned that are talking about work and this chick and that. But it was the crowd. It was mind blowing with the necklaces, the glow in the dark necklaces pouring off the balcony, the cactuses, <laughs> the kiddie pools, all the shit being passed around. It was a party, yeah. and it it reminded me of the Grateful Dead. Oh, there's there is probably the greatest resemblance is if you were to take pictures of a 90s dead show and pictures of a 90s fish show, you'd be like, who's where if you're looking at the <laughs> audience only, you know, but the, um, the also the way the bands communicate with the audience and would feed off of the audience energies um, using different tools, but you know, drawing similar kind of results. And uh, you can't, if, if you can tune into that as a listener, um, it's going to, it's going to keep your interest and it's going to keep you coming back. I think. Well, that, that's the thing that's kept me going back to the dead and all the offshoots. And, and Melanie and I were talking about something last night. Like, so for a very long time, I had this hard line in my head. Like I didn't listen to a lot of other music. Um, I, I listened to the dead. I listened to fish and I, I had a few other bands that I liked and, but I was kind of, I don't know, stuck, I guess is a good, good way to put it in, in my taste somehow. And I didn't realize how much was out there. And now it's like, you know, the, this telepathic communication with the, with the crowd and the band and this thing that happens at these shows, the dead pretty much were pioneers in that space. Right. But since then has bit the cats out of the bag. Right. And so yeah. all these other people like fish and, and, you know, Tedeschi trucks and government mule and God, I could go on Chris for Robinson Chris Robinson brotherhood. brotherhood and, oh, yeah. you know, all, all these bands, Wookiefoot have, Foot. have taken this thing and made it their own. And so now, I mean, I can listen to 
a lot of music that's out there. And it's like I was saying to Melanie last night, it's like a, a box of, of, of chocolates. Like it's all chocolate. You know what I mean? But you could take a bite of one and it's coconut and this one's nut flavored. And this, it's it's the same thing, kind of, but <laughs> I got all Forrest Gump, but, you yeah. know. That's okay. That's great. Um, yeah, we uh, as dead and fish heads and whatnot, we tend to back ourselves in a corner because – for one thing, there's so much music of just those, bo- either or both of those bands that y- you could easily not have time for anything else. But um, there's just there's just so much else out there to listen to uh, that I have I have drawn myself into that corner now and then, but I keep pushing out, and I'm kind of happy that i keep pushing out because i'm constantly finding really amazing like new music or old music that i just hadn't got around to yet um, so what what's some what's some stuff that, that you've heard recently that you're digging okay so if i were to give you my top recommendation of current bands i would go with a group called woods that would be my okay. a number one right get a pen um, I, we're doing it. I'm Mel, doing Mel's, it. Mel's doing, doing it. it. This has been one of the best homework assignments from the No, no Simple Ro- uh, Road podcast is that people, uh, guests or just listeners out there are just giving us all these recommendations of this amazing music. And so all week we'll separately listen to them and then come, you know, on a Friday night on the porch, start playing it and dancing to it. And it's been amazing to open up the world. And so maybe that's why um, being closed off is a little bit cool, because then in your older ages and you still find new stuff. Right. Well, you know, you got to you got to keep exploring, because if you uh, if if you don't, I think that's when you start to get old. So, so let's hear it. And none of us want to get old. We've all been younger, but it doesn't make us old, right? Mm -mm. So, so you were were saying Woods? Woods, uh, spelled, it's just W O O D S. They're a group out of New York, out of Brooklyn, I think. um, They've been around since the last decade. Uh, They got, I want to just over half a dozen albums, and they are all pretty good um they're a if i had to super simplify i would say they're a psychedelic folk band so folk rock band um with it give it a minute to get past the singer's falsetto vocal and just listen to their writing and listen to their guitar playing it's not a jam band although they occasionally do jam a little bit um, they stretch some a couple of their songs here and there and uh, but they're they're producing good like music that could have come from the 60s okay. but, um, they're, they're outstanding they're All right. they have repeatedly made my top albums of the year list uh, year in and year out uh, yeah so they're they're probably my number one recommendation Um completely different i have talked about these guys on every podcast i've been on lately but i'll say his golden messenger if you haven't gotten hip to them yet we're gonna get him on the show actually we're gonna have him as a guest oh outstanding oh man what do you want to know let's let's see you have any questions for him i'll I'll send you i'll send you a a list send me a a list man yeah yeah his his records are so good and um just 
getting better, uh, which is amazing. And I, I, I guess if I were to ask him anything, I would ask what the um, if there's been because I he- I think I hear an influence of Phil Cook, who has been playing piano and guitar and stuff for him. Uh, Phil Cook was in a group called Megaphon. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are defunct, but they're Raleigh Durham area, which is where he's based, where MC Taylor is based. And he, um, he joined up, uh, a couple of years ago with his golden messenger and has been touring and recording with them. And Phil is an amazing talent too. And, um, really, really outstanding. And like the new record, the new, his golden messenger record has just got, in addition to the thoughtful, occasionally doleful lyrics, he's got this southern soul and um, yeah. kind of uplift vibe that's coming through on the newer record. That just like it, I, I, you can get introspective with it, but you can't help but feel better as you get through yeah. it. Yeah, wow, it's like if Tom Petty and Dylan had a kid. <laughs> that's what it sounded like yeah. to me. Like these two things came together and made that yeah he's he's amazing i can't wait to talk to him um yeah i'm excited for you guys i can't believe that um wow um also maybe you'll start um listening to the show on a regular basis (laughs) i I have been i've been listening um let me tell you yeah uh, let me tell you i i was gonna get to it hadn't come up yet but uh i really enjoyed listening to y'all's story um i listened to that the other night and um i i just uh it made me it made me scared as i listened and made me happy uh just to hear you guys you know we've all been or seen somebody walk you know pretty dark paths over these over the years and you, you definitely were on it and um and not everybody comes off of it. And, uh, and so it's just so happy to hear not only you're here, that's great, but the fact that you guys came together in such a beautiful, you know, moment, like just it all happened right there. And I know there was work to be done and whatnot that you didn't lay out in the story and uh, that life is work, (laughs) but, um, (laughs) but it was, it was really nice to hear. I'm a, I'm a romantic, so I I like a a love story. And, uh, that was, that was great. Thank Um, you. It was a super, um, I think we both found out um, afterwards very therapeutic to get out because, you know, when you like you mentioned, just uh, coming from a dark place, like people tend to hide their dark places and their secrets. And I found that it's been super cathartic for our relationship to talk about some of that stuff because we've gotten nothing but positive responses back. And if we can help a relationship just to have a better perspective by talking about ours, like so be it and there has been a hell of a lot of work that we haven't talked about <laughs> you know but um maybe someday we'll get into the starsky and hutch story no. that <laughs> that, <laughs> no. that we didn't talk about but yeah like i appreciate that um that compliment because um it was kind of hard to yeah, it's, think it's, about yeah it's scary. scary to do that man like uh, i mean even from what you're doing uh, there's a vulnerability that you have to come to in yourself that you have to be okay with letting people hear your voice even when you do a podcast you know what i mean and then now i'm gonna take the skeletons out of the closet and shake them out 
and let all the dust settle on everybody that's listening. Like, that's kind of sketchy. And, you know, Well, and I'll tell you this, like this was um, initially I mean, the podcast has definitely morphed, but it was initially Aaron's podcast. And so I never thought that I'd be talking about my stuff like, you know, that was a whole different <laughs> that wasn't ever part of the plan, you know, <laughs> and then he kind of pulls me in on that third episode and starts talking about, you know, why I was in this dark place at the Fair the Well shows. And I'm like, wait a minute. That's <laughs> that's not <laughs> You're OK. I definitely realized that it, that'd be a huge gap if I didn't uh, participate. So <laughs> I'm a willing uh, accomplice these days. You know, I was talking to to Apple and we we did an episode a while back about the the revolution will be podcasted and you know <laughs> I've, I've heard other podcasters say that and it's a funny thing to say but all, in all honesty like if you think about what we do as a medium right and the way the world is today we we live in a country where we have a government that has made illegal substances and things that you know people do that helps them and that you know uh, are natural and aren't pharmaceutical in nature and and all of that stuff and you know they've kind of made it illegal to expand your consciousness and we we can't have that we can't have people expanding their consciousness in our country because then they're not going to want to consume and you know whatever the deal is but as far as podcasting goes as a medium like we have this platform where we could say and do pretty much whatever we want and our message is getting out there whether our audience is two people or two thousand or ten thousand and what what you're doing is is awesome because you know we have our thing that we're doing we bring people onto the porch and we hang out we talk about shit that we like and experiences that we had but you've see i i don't know i'm sure you've thought about what you're doing but i'm just giving it to you from my perspective right so like there's a lot of young heads out there that never got to see what what the hubbub's about. Why why are all these thank you Jerry stickers out there and why are people wearing Garcia shirts and you know what they know is Dead and Company and Dead and Company's a fucking force of nature. Don't get me wrong. I I'm in love. Like thank God they're playing right now. I to love it. But they didn't get to see any of that stuff. The history's history to them. It's not experience. What you're doing is you're creating this experience for people. You're recreating it and you're doing it from a, a a very personal angle. Like you said, you're flipping through dead base and you're going, oh, that would be cool to listen to. Oh, this would be cool to hear. I would want to hear when they did this with this person and you're putting it all together. And so you're you're taking this, you know, 50 year uh, pile of wool and knitting this really cool sweater for people to put on for a while and wear and be like, oh, that's why, you know. Thank you, Jerry, is on a bunch of cars that I drove by last week at that show or whatever. And so we have this opportunity to put this thing out there. And, you know, I don't know. I, I feel like uh, it, I don't even know how to say it, to be honest with you're you. You're doing it right. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You're doing you're it doing right. You're doing everybody right. a, ju- a service, yeah. a justice. And, and so, like, it, having uh, the opportunity to find new music and and uh, hear different perspectives is fucking amazing for me and like you said it's the thing that's keeping us young yeah well we keep moving through all of these things that we have in front of us and you know we can look back but we got to 
keep reshaping and pushing forward too with it. So yeah, I, I have all these old dead recordings and I want to make them new, give everybody a new look at it. And if, uh, if I pick up somebody who's young and never saw the dead, great. If I'm just keeping entertaining, keeping an older head entertained, that's also great, you know? And, uh, I, I, went to see phil last month and i gave out a few stickers there and talked to some folks and people were like oh a grateful dead podcast oh what a good idea like well i'm not the first but um i hope you like it and uh so i'm trying to trying to get people into it and i I try i was going to do the same thing when i saw dead and company last week but like a moron i left all my stickers in the car so i was like oh well i just have to watch the show and and there were so many (laughs) i was so many young people there yeah yeah what did you what did you think of dead and company what's what's your what's your take i want to hear so i first of all i had fun i want to start with that because i i think what i'm going to say might start to come off at negative but there is an outcome here so um I had a great time. I took my wife. She never saw the Grateful Dead. Um, And uh, although she's she's our age, my age, uh, almost precisely, but she just was doing different things uh, when the dead were around. And um, so we both had a really good time, danced our asses off. They played great material. There were some good jams. Um, There are some things I've noticed that is not really something I really looked for or expected out of Grateful Dead. And I see this in a fish audience nowadays, which is that the audience really gets off on the big rock peaks. So when they take Tennessee Jed and John Mayer builds it to this great big peak differently than the Grateful Dead ever did, although they Dead used to peak that song a bit, but it was way different. It's great. And the audience eats it up. And that's a lot of fun to be a part of. At the same time, sometimes I feel like John Mayer, who is an excellent guitar player, knows the material, is putting in the work to be a good lead guitar player for this band. I think he needs to um, he needs to get out of his head. He needs to kind of uh, he needs what is the the thing that uh, Colonel Bruce used to, a little outstruction. He needs to kind of. Um, he needs to unlearn the guitar mm. now that he knows all the notes to play. He needs to forget it and mm. just let it happen a little bit yeah. more often. And I think less then, scripted. Yeah, but but, it, but not even scripted because I know Bobby wouldn't put up with too much of a script, you know. And uh, I think, although maybe more so than I than I, I believe, but I think that really it's just that he needs to get out of his own head and stop thinking about playing and just play and you, then you, you, we'll really get there yeah i i i agree with you 100 percent. and i feel like we're in a different world than we were in when the dead were around and there's a the edm scene is has bled over into the dead scene because of the festival thing and bass nectar and all of these crossover that's happened. So we're in a different environment. And so the younger heads, the younger crew is looking for that, those peaks because of the bass drop. I think, you know, that's, that's what comes to mind when you say that. 
Well, I, I, I don't know what to blame it on. It may be that, it may be not. I, I honestly, I'm not familiar with that stuff. That's a, that's a blind spot for me, and I'm okay with that. Um, but you see the same thing in fish in the like the 3.0 fish era nowadays, uh, particularly a couple years ago. Uh, even now, is rock peak jamming is what we we label it on the fish podcasts. You know, this they're in a jam completely devoid of song but they still build a cohesive rock jam and peek it out and suddenly guitars wailing and everybody goes apeshit and that's always fun and it's but it's not a thing i'm it's not a thing i expect to hear at grateful dead um, but it's not Grateful Dead. It's Dead End Company. It's Dead End Company. And yeah, that's yeah, totally. There, there's a, there's something to be said for playing sweet. Oh yeah, right? and they, they can get there. Speaking of sweet, O'Teal should be I was singing say, all the ship of fools. <laughs> John Mayer does not do it poorly, but I'll tell you, they started <laughs> playing ship of fools. The the audience. You know, they started playing a slow song. People were listening. John Mayer started singing Ship of Fools, and you could hear the talking. You could hear the chatter. And I was like, what? Ship of Fools, guys. And then. Yeah, what are you they, doing? Mid, midway through the first verse, they shift, and O'Teal starts singing, and everybody first cheers and then get quiet. And they're re- now they're listening. So I know the band hears this, and I hope that there's no, like, egos involved. And I hope they're just like, let's service the music, service the sound. And keep growing. If they're going to keep doing it, um, I think they're going to get really get places. I'm, I'm praying. I'm praying for a spring or summer West Coast run. Man, come on! But you guys I, are going to get a fill up your neck of the woods in February, yeah, aren't you? Yeah. So yeah, we're at the Crystal Ballroom, which is an amazing like old venue here. And the floor in that place has like springs underneath yep. the floor. So when people get going, the, the floor moves. And it's Phil and the Terrapin Family Band, which I haven't seen. And uh, it's the 50th anniversary of the Grateful Dead playing the Crystal Ballroom. So which is, that's pretty momentous. So we saw Phil with the Terrapin Family Band in October. So uh-huh. about, about a month, almost precisely a month ago. You have and a set list handy? I don't, but I can tell you roughly, you know, okay. uh, th- so it was Phil with the Terrapin Family Band, and then they had um, Robert Randolph playing Ooh. with them and full time. And Robert Randolph was outstanding. Uh, oh, and Nikki Bloom singing. And it was terrific. The good rock set a lot of fun was had mason uh, mason's children early in the first set and i can't remember any of the first set uh set list really but great stuff bertha and oh, it's coming to me and and my wife went with that with me to that one and we had a blast the second set they brought out the um preservation jazz hall band horns Whoa. started their set played viola lee played hmm, something else maybe another one and things got a little weird and then yeah yeah as it should and then they and they played they wound their way around into throwing stones because in washington dc you gotta play throwing stones apparently right so um so then phil and his band left 
and the rest of Preservation Hall Jazz Band came out, and they played a couple of songs as just the Preservation Hall. And then they completely left the stage, took their drums with them and everything, and Phil and them came back, and they did full Terrapin Suite. What? And, yeah. Oh. And it was great. It was... Um, I, you know, the, fundamentally, I think the difference between Phil and his band and Dead and Company, aside from the fact that one is a much smaller production and all of these kinds of technical things that you might apply, the smiles of the players on in Phil's band for the entire show far outstrip what you saw on the Dead and Company stage. Now, I'm not hmm. saying people weren't having a good time. Jeff was definitely grinning over at Matt John, and John was, you know, cheesing when he wasn't making extreme guitar face. You know, he was, you know, com- communicating. And O'Teal is happy. He is that guy. Man, he puts out a great vibe. I love O'Teal. He's my favorite. I, it's been. I think I first saw him with with ARU. Uh, far too many years ago to recount. You know, right? And so he's he's been a favorite and and but overall phil and his band just look like they're having so much more fun and Hmm. i i can't say that they are actually but you're you're you feel that vibe bobby looks like up there and he is billy and mickey he's a technician yeah technician pounding away and mickey sometimes looks like he's grinning billy's just like he's working sounds great but he's working. Um, but Phil and his band, they're they're having a blast. So if you can get to those Crystal Ballroom shows, I would recommend yeah, I, it. I bought tickets the day before they went on sale. I was like, I'm not, I'm waiting. I'm, get, I'm getting in the pre-sale. This is going to sell out instantly. So I, I bought us all tickets. I was like, fuck that. We're all going. So we got Chris Robinson Brotherhood next weekend. And then, nice. um, yeah, Phil and Friends in February. And then right after that is Dark Star Orchestra. Right after, like a week later, and then after that is Umphreys McGee. So like we're just show after show after show. I'm like I, I, I have to turn stuff down now. Like living in Portland, there's so much music up here, and <laughs> and like we were talking about earlier, there's so many new bands to listen to, and like you know. So you have you heard of Wookie Foot? I've heard the name. I haven't heard them before. Are they okay? North- so. Northwest. They they're from Portland originally, but they're they live in um, Minnesota or Minneapolis. Oh, Minneapolis. Yeah, well, Minneapolis. Oh, okay. <laughs> they live out there. <laughs> and uh, they're my favorite thing that I've found lately. I've I've been blabbering about it on the show over and over again. Like every day since I found out about them, I've been listening to them. Like the way I would explain it is they're every genre of music. Um, they're a little reggae heavy sometimes, which I don't mind. Um, but their message is just super sweet. Their and, lyrics and are, their lyrics are, are really like a, I don't know what it's like, but who said there was like this? Oh, our um, guest last week on the show, he said that they were a second gospel. Yeah, he said the dead are my first gospel. Wookie Foot is my second. And I was like, oh. OK, I get it. I get it now. So yeah, cool. they're they're one that I've been tooling around in lately, and then this the other one that has recently blown my mind, and another one that I should have gotten on board with years and years ago is the Flaming Lips. 
Oh, I'm a big Flaming Lips fan, so dude, I, I, that's another one. I'm like, why did I there. miss that? Why? How did I? How did I miss this thing? Like, just last night, Apple and I were out here, um, standing in the driveway, watching the moon, listening to to them, and just, oh my god, dude, yeah, they've got wow. some really transformative stuff. And their band who uh, can really put it on an album, you know, a lot of bands that I listen to don't necessarily pull that off, but they, their albums are just outstanding. I told him, I was like, I, we got, I put this in the category, like in my head with Radiohead. this isn't yeah. music. This is, this is magic. This, they had a somehow put magic on recording and gave it to everybody. Like, Here you go. And I hear, I haven't seen the flaming lips live yet. I'm not going to miss fun. them if they, yeah, but I've heard it's an experience. It definitely is. Um, but you brought to mind another band that I think I want to bring up and uh, share with you is a, a group called the Jaunty. And it's spelled like like a jaunt, like a trip. J-A-U-N-T-E-E. And they are originally Boston-based. I think they're, they're, I know they're now in Denver. And they are ex- four extremely talented players and they are working hard and making really good music um i'm biased i I know the drummer i've um i contributed a couple songs some lyrics to a couple songs that they play but i i did that because i liked the music they were playing so i was like hey scott here right sing some of these and um and they uh they they're they're killing it and i'm pretty sure a little birdie told me they're going to be out your way in the spring so Ooh, keep an eye out right on yeah now they haven't really done any west coast because they've been boston based but now that they're in colorado they will try to get over there that's that that you just made me think of somebody else that doesn't do many west coast shows and bums me out man cuz when we left vegas i love seeing joe russo's almost dead they play the oh, yeah. bowl all the time and they they don't come up this way, man. And so I'm on their Twitter feed. I follow their Twitter feed and every post they do, I go, so when are you coming to Portland? How about that Portland, <laughs> Oregon show? I'd love to see that set up here in Portland. Like every, <laughs> I'm trying to make it happen. But those guys, man, you know, where uh, people have talked about the tempo at Dead & Company shows saying that it's too down tempo for them and whatnot, <laughs> whatever. That's yeah, that is the opposite. Like when we Melanie and I went and saw them at the Brooklyn Bowl in Vegas not long before we left, and I I couldn't stop dancing, and I was so tired, and I just wanted them to play a slow song so bad, and they nope, we're, you're gonna puke, we're gonna, <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna keep you keep you jamming through the whole fucking show, brother. Yeah, those guys <laughs> are right. on point. Yeah, I I first saw them at Lockin playing late night so uh, somebody i don't remember who was um headlining the main stage at the time but i was exhausted and this was two years ago so i was still only about five or six months out okay maybe seven months out from a, breaking my back and so i was wow. struggling to stand through the day at a festival but i was doing it and but i was like i you know Whoever it was was on the main stage. My friends were into might have been Jacket. I don't remember. And I was like, I'm going to go. It wasn't Jacket. I don't remember. But uh, so I'm going to go to the other stage and sit and wait for J-Rad to come on. 
because I knew my buddies weren't going to, weren't going to want to stay. We weren't staying on site. We were, um, thankfully had a, uh, Airbnb nearby with a hot tub, which was great for the back. And, um, so I went and I got up right on the rail and sat there and chatted with some people I know from Twitter and, and they came up, they just, they slay. I, I, I think I equated their sound to the intersection between deadhead and fans of cocaine because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> particularly when they're not starting until 11 30 at night like i i'm 43 i am the first thing and not the second thing i can't keep up all night long to this kind of this this pace um Frenetic. it's fun to listen to what's that frenetic yeah it's totally it crazy frenetic. yeah really fun to listen to i i they they're played they played in philly last night um and i pulled up the, this morning on on the internet's a uh recording a little video of their second second set opener and the bass player whose name i escapes me opened with this weird um synth solo he's running his bass through a synth sounded a little like um garth hudson uh before chest fever at the in in the last waltz so they played okay. a bunch of uh band covers last night too and then they went into music never stopped and their pace on music never stopped is, i would say almost literally double what dead and company would do and and um, they fuck with they fuck with anybody that tries to call a song too if you're one of those guys that's like, oh, it's, it's going to be bird song. It's, nope. They're going to tease every song that you thought it was going to be and then go into something else. Fuck you. <laughs> that sounds about right. Um, yeah. So, and I am, I am one of those guys typically, but. Um, Me too. Melanie drives Melanie out of her mind. Well, I'm just like, enjoy the show, dude. Relax. <laughs> Let it call itself. <laughs> I am enjoying it, but I'm telling you, they're going to play Bucket right now. <laughs> Listen, Aaron. <laughs> oh, I love it. Kindred spirits, man. Yeah. I had the pleasure on Thanksgiving. Uh, a good friend of mine has moved to, he and his wife live about 10 minutes from where my folks live. So I had the family up at my parents' house and, and I went over to see my friend for half an hour took my daughter Althea who is um uh, she's 21 now and so they they've known her since she was in fact Scott is the guy who I'm talking about he he said I don't think I've seen Althea since uh Big Cypress 1231 the day of the the mo- that morning uh, so the second day uh, that morning she was running around in her like Disney princess cone cap that we had gotten <laughs> disney before we went to anyways so i took her with me and we went and saw scott and we were talking and um and just had a great little visit and scott i met at cap center in 94 and i was sitting with my friend uh, fred and in our seats straight back behind the board about 15 rows up i don't know not too high up but we look straight at the band and it's before the set and uh we were just freddie and i were chatting a little bit not too much and just kind of getting ready for the show to start and and scott and his friend were sitting right in front of me and i didn't know this guy yet but he and his buddy were talking and they were making predictions and i and I'm, i like that game so me i was like oh, <laughs> forward, i was like you know it's gonna be a bucket Scott's like, what? No, man, no. Don't. First of all, why you got to pick Bucket? Second of all, you're wrong. I was like, nah, dude. They're gonna play Bucket. 
I played bucket. <laughs> and, um, and we're still still good friends to this day, uh, despite the fact that I called the bucket and he didn't want to see it. Uh, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a question before we wrap up, and it, and it's okay. it's a broad question, but I, I want you to to try and think about like so back in the day you went to your first dead shows and you're this kid wet behind the ears and you go and you see this band that you liked right and you know i i saw uh ted nugent back in the day and i never went to another ted nugent show after that and i saw the cars back in the day and i never followed the cars around the country so for you man i and i'm curious what is the thing that has created this love affair with the music and kept you going back all these years. If you can encapsulate that, like, is there a way for you to answer that question? Oh, it's drugs. Okay, no, cool. Well, <laughs> we're done. I'm kidding. I'm sure that's what my mom thinks though. But, um, oh, really? but no. um, I'll tell you, and I've written about this before. Uh, so it's somewhere on my internet websites, but um, at that first show, I was already, you know, a fan of the dead. I had listened to albums. I had some tapes and I knew I, I knew the material reasonably well. I didn't know every song, but I knew a fair amount. So I kind of knew musically what was going to happen, kind of. But I didn't know what it was going to feel like. I didn't know. I didn't have beyond just kind of a layman's impression of what the scene would be like or any of that stuff and so i was blown away of course you know you get out of the car in the parking lot of rfk and you're like holy shit chris talked about the same thing when he was on it we had very similar experiences um he was like two years ahead of me um but it, it, it was and it, and it was great we were having a great time and during the first set and as i mentioned earlier i was completely sober um, we're dancing on the floor in the field there and I'm on Phil's side and they're playing road Jimmy. And I don't know if you saw a show at RFK, but that is an old stadium and it was built to accommodate football and baseball because way back when there was a baseball team in DC that was not the nationals, but, um, so it was, uh, adaptable they could push seats back and do this move things around but the net result is that some of the the stands bounce and you get deadheads in there and they're gonna bounce <laughs> so right. during jimmy i was grooving it was the the late part of the song where they're basically just kind of rolling along on the um that uh that shuffle that kind of reggae ish shuffle yeah. and and i locked in the universe slowed down i could see the stage i'm getting my hand in the shot here i could see the the, the not the stage the the stands to my left is bouncing and this is the first time i'd noticed the bouncing i'd never seen that before i'd never seen a concert before actually this was my first concert okay wow and like that minute was an eternity right and it was the greatest eternity and i wanted to live in it forever and obviously that's impossible but i have done everything i could to remain close to that minute 
without not having a life, <laughs> you know, while still through the rest of life and, you know, having a family and keeping a job and all of those kinds of things, but always close to that moment. And I can find it by seeing a show when they come, putting on the good, a good tape. And I'm hoping ultimately to share that and connect somebody else with that as much as is possible through a recording as opposed to a, you know, live in person experience. Wow. So I don't know if it, it's, really it's your, no, that, but. that totally did it. And you know what, like for me, it, it, it was that same feeling that you're talking about and walking into my first show and them singing, feel like a stranger Yeah, and knowing that, how I felt at that moment, I wanted to find out everything I could about this thing. I wanted to get inside of it. I wanted to be able to do what they did and be a part of it. And I didn't ever want it to go away. It's the same as you, like, how can I be in this moment forever? And for me in the times in my life, since that day that I've gotten into trouble, we talked about dark times is when I've gone away from that thing. When I let that thing fall away in my life is when I fall apart. So I've realized that me and that thing are one and the same. And I, I lose myself apart from that because I think in a weird spiritual, super hippie kind of way, we're born in that moment into the music. You know what I'm saying? And yep. this this other person comes out that, is attuned to all these frequencies. And if we pull away from that thing, we wither like, like plants without water. And like with this podcast and, and stuff, it feels so much more, I feel so much more connected to everything. And even in my, my regular life, I guess they're not really separate, but like in my work life and in my marriage with my kids, like it's, it's in everything. I don't, I can't separate it anymore. So I, I get it. I get it completely, man. I, I mean, I, I know where you're coming from and that, that's, what's cool about doing this and getting to meet you is that, uh, you know, if there, anybody out there doesn't feels like they're nuts, you know, I, I remember feeling like that. Like I was the only one in the whole world that felt that way. And hearing guys like you and I that are a little older say, Hey, now we're here for the same reason you are, man. I think that's cool that people can, can hear that. Amen. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what to add to that. That was it's exactly right. You know, um, constantly looking for it or just holding it close and sharing it when I can and, um, and trying to recognize it when other people are catching it. And I find it elsewhere. I find it in fish. It's different, but it's the same. Same family. Um, I found it seeing Steve Kimock, you know, it's different, but it's the same. Um, I find it listening to records sometimes, you know, it's just yeah. whatever, whatever gets you there. Yep. Um, Amen. Hey, Jonathan, do you still um, listen to your actual cassette tapes? No, I've passed most of those along. Um, I, uh, my media excess is strictly in records now. So I, uh, I have a, a hefty record collection. 
but mostly I work digitally with my live okay. music. <laughs> well, man, I, I want to thank you for, for giving us your time today, brother. And, um, for meeting us, it's, it's cool to meet more family out there. And, you know, I've thrown out the invitation and the, the, uh, offer to a few of our guests. If you're ever up this way, we're here for you, man. You got, you got a place to crash and hang out if you want to ever come see a show up in Portland. Uh, that's very kind. I, um, Portland is high on my list uh, to, of places I need to get to. So hopefully uh, when I do get out there, we will uh, get to connect. I, I want to thank you for having me on. This has been a lot of fun. Um, I really like what you guys are doing. And Thanks, uh, I'm, I'm thrilled to uh, get to come on the porch virtually, as it were. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, What's up, Apple? Oh, I was just going to say, I just wanted to thank you again. Hold on. I'll get here where I can see you for a sec. I'm off on the side. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I just want to thank you again, man. Look, We always look very forward to your next, whatever, you know, whatever you mix up next. It's going to be awesome. And it was really cool. It's hard to cut these short. We just want to sit here and keep on talking for hours. So, we're, you know, we met a person now. We're going to stay in touch. I know, you know, it was great to have you on the show. Well, thank you. Thank you. I All also right, would like to say, um, send high praise to the beards out there. Um, uh, yeah, hey, sir. Jonathan, I heard you describe yourself on one of your last shows. I'll be that um, uh, guy that looks like a deadhead with the beard. Uh, <laughs> I loved it. I, and then when the first thing that when we opened up the Skype call and saw you, I just made me smile inside. <laughs> it was accurate, right? <laughs> totally yeah. accurate. I would have found you immediately. Yeah, does he want to shout yeah, out? It's the only one there. Oh, hey, yeah. Yeah. Um, shout out, shout out your show for for everybody out there, man. Uh, well, uh, let's see. My show is the Broke Down Podcast, and everybody can find that on any, pretty much any of the social media with that name, Broke Down Pod or Broke Down Podcast. And then, then um, the Fish Program is the Helping Friendly Podcast. It's uh, HF Pod on Twitter or on the internets if you're into that sort of thing. Um, but. Uh, I just I want to say hi back to Chris, who was kind enough to Aww. when he came on. To, um, I miss yeah. that guy. I haven't seen him in a long time in person. So I'm a little jealous that you guys have a couple of times recently. Yeah, we're so. going to see him. We're going to see him next weekend for for CRB. So we're going together. Cool. We're going to hang out and do our thing. Another reason and, to come visit. Yeah. Another reason to come visit. Maybe we can all um, center it around a show of some sort. There we go. Yeah, he's he's high on the list of reasons that I need to be in Portland. So, um, but yeah, that I think that's probably it. I, I, I'm sure I regret forgetting somebody, but you guys should check out the, uh, those. You guys have, but maybe, but you know, everybody out there should check out the Broke Down Podcast and Helping Friendly Podcast. And uh, there's a lot of good music coming through those things, and um, we're having a lot of fun doing them. All right, brother. Well, it's been a pleasure and an honor, and we'll keep listening. And like Apple said, stay in touch, man. If you're coming out this way, let us know. Thanks, Jonathan. Thank you guys so much. Pleasure's all mine. Take care, brother. Have a grateful day. You too. What is a city without its music? The legacy of the New York Philharmonic is incredible. Nearly two centuries of history. That's a lot of music and a lot of stories. I was sitting on stage for the very first time thinking, I can't quite believe this is happening. Join me, Jamie Bernstein, as we explore the history of the New York Philharmonic. It's the NY Phil story made in New York, a podcast about a city, its people, and their orchestra. Listen wherever you get podcasts.
tell you about the april may 2023 issue of relics magazine features a dave matthews band cover story with additional articles and interviews with the national graham nash wayne shorter alo ivan neville our friend eric krasno and stanton moore marty stewart and much more check out the latest version of relics and subscribe now at relics.com dmb thanks relics well, hey, friends, my name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Again.